introduce you this morning. Uh, it's a story about uh, a visiting, traveling circus. And one fall, not unlike this one, kind of hot, circus came to town, this small town. And as they were preparing the circus, all the different acts, the trapeze artists, the acrobats, the lion tamer, um, they were all starting to build up the circus, prepare the tents. And as they were building up, the, the flame eater in the back was practicing his act, working with flaming swords and not being careful as he should have been. He accidentally set one of the tents ablaze. And quickly he ran to find the ringmaster. He says, ringmaster, the, the circus is on fire. And the ringmaster was so frightened and worried. He thought, oh, what are we going to do? We've got we to gotta tell the rest of the town the fire is going to spread. So he went to find somebody who wasn't busy trying to put out the fire. And the only one who was left was their headlining clown, Bozo. And Bozo was already in full regalia, big floppy clown shoes, a big red nose. He looked like a total goofball. And he said, Bozo you got to go tell the other people in the town that there's this fire, and it's going to spread, and it's going to burn the town down. So Bozo ran, squeaking as he went. He got to the town, and he started to warn everyone, Everybody, the circus is on fire! Everyone thought this was a very, piece, or a very clever piece of advertising. This is very interesting that the, the, the circus would advertise their act in such a way, and they started to laugh and guffaw and think, This is amusing. And Bozo got louder and louder, and his cries became weaker as his voice began to crack until he couldn't speak anymore. And people laughed and laughed and just ignored him eventually and moved on. Well, of course, the fire spread and burned down the entire town. It's a pretty dark story <laughs> with an unfortunate end. And it comes from a, a, a particularly pessimistic Danish philosopher, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, and it's his way of, his viewpoint of the world, seeing that eventually our world is going to get so pessimistic and so resilient towards truth that it will come as a clown, as a joke, and the world will burn with this image, this idea of those with their wits about them laughing at the truth. Now, it's easy to draw comparisons, I think, with this story of the clown warning of the burning circus with uh, maybe our own experience in our faith, with Jesus' experience in coming as a son. We see this in the parable today. And it's very clever. Jesus kind of casually says, here's another parable. Just like he's throwing it down. Well, let's, let's have another parable. And in this parable, he explores the whole history of the, um, the chosen people. And he predicts his own death and the beginning of new life in the church. And he does so in showing that the landowner, the one who gives these tenants this land, this, this vineyard, is the Lord, the Father, who's establishing his chosen people on earth. And he gives them this vineyard to cultivate land, to cultivate these grapes. But when he finds that the yield is unworthy, when he comes and sends his servants, and they are treated, they're mistreated and rejected and pushed away, these are the prophets who came to the, the Israelites and tried to warn them and say, you're, you're going away, you're straying away from the path that the Lord has set before you. You're breaking the, the agreements and the, the, the law of the Lord. But we see in the history of, the salvific, um, of our own salvation of the Israel people that they actually rejected a lot of the, the, philosoph or the, the, um, the prophets 
because the prophets, to be a prophet wasn't a good thing. Typically, it meant you kind of had to give hard news to people, and that's always difficult. So then the Lord, in his wisdom, thought, well, I'll send my son. We hear in this parable, the landowner, I'll send my son, and surely they will respect him. And it's sad to think, surely they will respect my son. And here the Lord is explaining this parable to his own people who are rejecting him, who look at him as a joke, who kind of brush him off as nothing more than a false prophet, at worst. At best, just some fool rattling off his mouth. And then we see at the end of the parable how the Lord opens up his vineyard to all other tenants, those who will come and take a plot of land and produce the harvest, produce good fruit, good grapes to give to the Lord. And it's in this that we see what our position is as Catholics, as Christians living in the world today. Most especially now, when we experience that rejection in our culture, in our world, the rejection of a clown warning others that the the world is on fire. Being a beacon of truth often means that there will be rejection. Speaking hard truth, standing with our faith, means that there are those who will ignore us, those who will push us away. But there's a temptation also in being bearers of truth, being witnesses to Christ, of becoming antagonistic towards others, towards trying to burn those others who we don't agree with, towards arguing and fighting and wielding these wild, sour grapes rather than the good grapes for the vineyard. I think for us, we each have our own little plot in the vineyard that we must cultivate in our lives. It's easy to get caught up in what's going on in the world, get caught up in the media, get caught up with the politics, get caught up with all these things that are beyond our control and lose sight of what has been given to us, what we are in charge of, what we, we have been tasked with cultivating in our lives. For many of us, that might be at work with respecting others and creating an environment where we can work together to build up the kingdom of God in every aspect of our work, to be truthful and honest in what we do. It can be at our schools back home. It can be uh, when we're sitting stuck listening to our teachers at home uh, over the internet for hours on end and we're tempted towards frustration and division and disrupting our class or giving up completely and just ignoring our studies. It can be frustrating uh, for us even now with those of us who join us from home that we are unable to be here in person to celebrate the Mass. But in this, to have this patience And to ask the Lord to enrich our lives, even in these moments where we feel kind of restricted or stuck or frustrated. It can be back at home where there's a temptation uh, to be frustrated with our siblings, with our parents, with our family members. Being stuck at home, the home which is supposed to be this place where our faith is cultivated and enriched. Where we can have that temptation to lash out at each other, to yell or to fight but instead to look towards God and to ask him to enter in and to allow us to be charitable towards our our closest members. And finally, I think it's most important that we pay attention, close attention, to how we cultivate in our public persona and how we present ourselves on the internet, how we present ourselves in text or talking to people, how we present ourselves so not as to represent Christ in a hateful or vitriolic way, but in a way that invokes charity, in a way by example. Not giving in to falsity, not rejecting the truth, but presenting the truth as Christ did, by his very example of love and charity. And I think all this really depends on our faith, 
our own personal life. The, the roots of the vines are the most important, and the roots should be for us in our life, our relationship with Christ. And this starts with our own personal prayer. That might be just spending a couple minutes in the morning or in the evening reflecting on how the Lord's working in our lives, how he's asking us to grow or how he's calling us to be witnesses to Christ in our day, whether it be at home, at work, at school, or just out in the world, perhaps even on the internet. It could be a way of getting into a regular form of prayer. One of the easiest ways, I think, of getting into a regular um, kind of prayer schedule is just doing the rosary once a day. October, this is the month of the rosary, and it's a great habit to get into, just to be able to pray the rosary, and even just to, once we get the, the, the hang of it, get into the groove of it, to be able to bring in all our anxieties and worries and offer them to Mary, to give them to the Lord, to take them away and to intercede for us, to bring us closer to Christ. So I think today that's worth asking, as we enter into this month of October, and this very chaotic month of, of politics, pan, politics, pandemic and three-digit degree fall, that we ask the Lord, how are you calling me to cultivate my plot in the vineyard? How can I make your name known in my life and produce ripe and fruitful grapes for the vineyard? Amen.